Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Today is Holy Trinity Sunday, where we focus on the doctrine that there is only one God with three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. On this day, we confess the creed of the church that most specifically helps us understand the Holy Trinity. That is the Athanasian Creed. It's the long one. (laughs) This creed very plainly teaches us that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, nor is the Holy Spirit. And it continues on making these distinctions. The confession of the Trinity is believed by all Christian denominations, and it is central to the faith, even though the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity. One way that I like to describe the word, you've probably heard if you've been in a Bible study with me, is by using the name God as being that of family. You see, we often think of the word God as being equal with the word person. But that is not how the scriptures see God. They see God as three persons. That is why I like the word family when making this imperfect attempt to understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Let me explain. How many persons are in my immediate family? The answer is four. There are four persons in one family. In the same way, there are three persons in one God. Now here is where that analogy breaks down. How many separate wills are in my family? At least four. I say at least four because there are certain times when members of my family desire to do God's will, including myself, And there are times, including myself, where we desire to do our own thing. Even though we love each other very much and get along very well as far as the world is concerned, uh, our wills are in constant conflict, as are most families. Compare that to God, the Holy Trinity. How many wills are present in God? The answer is one perfect will. The Son and the Holy Spirit cannot go against the Father's will and vice versa. There is one holy will. That is the will of God singular. And that that is carried out by three persons, plural. One will carried out by three persons. In my few years of teaching confirmation, that's the best way that I can describe the Holy Trinity without, uh, without using the Athanasian Creed or that we are confessing today. Of course, all earthly reasoning falls short in describing the heavenly revelation that is given to us in the scriptures. Nothing on earth rightly compares the relationship of the one divine God known as Yahweh. Not even the Malus at 50 years. 
Today's scripture lesson gives us a glimpse into some of the characteristics of the Holy Trinity and the role that each person carries out in our salvation. In order to understand God's care for us, we will be looking at Bible verses that you are very, very familiar with. Bible verses that probably at a very young age, if you've been in the church all your life, uh, were asked to memorize. We're going to be looking at John 3.16. Many of you have probably heard the phrase, a gospel, the gospel in a nutshell. The Son of Man was lifted up. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in the order that the world would be saved through him. In these very familiar verses, you have the Holy Trinity's mission to save mankind after our fall into sin. First, the Father which we, we see by the word God. Uh, we know that for how John in the beginning of his book uh, says that. Uh, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word is Jesus, the son. He is with God. In here, in John 3.16, it could read this way very easily. The Father so loved the world that he gave. And in verse 17 we see the Father did not send his Son into the world to condemn or to get even or even to act out um, the things that we deserve on us but in order that the world would be saved by him. The Father, he loves. God is love. And this caused him to send. The Father did not come because we are unholy. And he is holiness. He is pure holiness. And we cannot stand before his righteous wrath. Yet it is amazing that even though we were born in sin, and we break the Ten Commandments, which really describe what true love looks like. And we break these on a daily basis. God, our Father, still loves us. And he desires to give to us, to send his Son to save us. In our Old Testament lesson, we see Isaiah confronted with the glory of God. He recalls, Isaiah recalls, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord uh, sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two, he covered, they covered their face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 
translated as Yahweh from the Hebrew. Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord, again, the Yahweh of hosts. It should be noticed that when Isaiah first sees the glory of Yahweh, the first thing he does when he recognizes that he is standing before God, his first reaction is to be filled with fear. He immediately, it is brought to his mind how he has broken God's holy, perfect law, specifically for him, how he broke the Eighth Commandment. That means that he spoke falsely. If you were confronted with the holiness of God, what commandments might flood to your mind? My guess is that you don't have to think very hard about it. Have you failed to fear and love God so that you, like Isaiah, told lies about your neighbor? betrayed him, slandered him, or hurt his reputation with things like gossip. That was Isaiah's sin that first ran to his mind. Or have you had feelings or thoughts of anger or hatred towards your neighbor, towards perhaps someone even in your own family? Or have you desired another person sexually that wasn't your spouse? When Isaiah was confronted with God, two things came to mind. God's holiness, his sin. He could not say anything but these words, Woe is me, I am lost. After then, he confessed his sin. A similar thing happened to the people in our reading from Acts today. The people, through through the preaching of God's word, they came face to face with the glory of Yahweh that Isaiah met in our Old Testament reading. In the Acts reading, Peter, through the word of God, points out to the people their sin, that they were guilty of killing God's son. What could you say? Woe is me. The Bible says that they were, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They didn't argue with their con- conviction. They could only plea for help. These two examples are something to think about because we often, we often carry on in our sin... As though, we have, that, as though we will never meet God. We often carry on and rationalize our sin as though we will never confront His holiness. We often carry on with this or that as though God has no idea what we're doing. 
what we're saying or what we're thinking. But He does. And this should cut us to the heart. This should bring us to echo Isaiah's words. Woe is me. I'm lost. For these reasons. When we reach an understanding of our sinfulness in the presence of a holy God, thanks be to God by the Holy Spirit, we are then taken to the love of God by the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit bids us to lift our, our, our crescent eyes, to lift them up, our crestfallen eyes, to lift them up, to behold the Father's love. Again, hear these words. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn you. He sent his son into the world that you would be saved through him. The Holy Spirit creates belief that God's son came to save me. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe this. I can't believe in Jesus Christ my Lord and I can't come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He's enlightened me with his gifts. He sanctifies and keeps me in God's love, in the true faith. The Father loved us in this way. He sent His Son to be lifted up on the cross to bear the punishment of our sin. Woe is us. We were lost. But the Father so loved us that He gave. He gave his son. Jesus said, no one has ascended into heaven. We can't get there. Except for him who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses, was lift, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him would have eternal life. God the Holy Spirit creates and sustains belief that in Jesus we're actually loved by God. Our sin is covered for the sake of God's Son. In our Isaiah passage we saw a peculiar thing happen to a terrified Isaiah. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, the very same mouth that spewed out lies, breaking the eighth commandment. He touched his, my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. The father loved Isaiah. So he sent a messenger to touch Isaiah with a one-time sacrament. We're not going to be touching anybody with burning coals today. But that applied the atoning work of Jesus 
because of the message because of the message of God that Isaiah himself would later carry out. All forgiveness comes from God the Son. Isaiah received this work and his fear was transformed into boldness. Imagine if the fear of your guilt for the stuff you've done, imagine if that was transformed into boldness to speak God's word of law and gospel to those we meet, as it did for Isaiah. And the book continues saying, I heard a voice saying from the Lord. Now listen to this. I heard a voice from the Lord, singular, saying, Whom shall I, singular, send? And who will go for us? Plural. Then I said, Here am I. Send me. God the Holy Spirit made Isaiah confident of God the Father's love and of God the Son's work. Isaiah was made whole, ready to serve his neighbor. This same scene is carried out after our Acts reading as well. For, for when the people st stood terrified in their sin, the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of Peter, God's messenger, said, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, it is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, whom the Lord our God will call to himself. So those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The people went from fear of God as they recognized their sin. And the messenger of the Lord, that is Peter, directed them to God's gift of baptism that Jesus afforded by his work, by his death and resurrection. And in baptism, they were born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus had to happen. And they then had a loving father. And they had God the Son as their brother. And the Holy Spirit continually testifies with their spirit that they are actually children of God, crying out, Abba, Father. And those people that were baptized like Isaiah proclaimed the Trinity's saving work from generation to generation, all the while dining at the Father's table, receiving upon their lips the very body of the gift that was given to them. From generations to generation, that gift has been carried down all the way until that message that God loves you, that God has taken away your sin, all the way down till that message reached your ears and brought you or is bringing you to the waters of baptism. And we, the baptized, carry this message with us wherever we go. Through our words and actions, we testify to those in our work, to those in our family. 
that they are sinners. But even more than that, they are loved by a God who gave his all so that they too could have eternal life. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him by the power of the Holy Spirit should not perish but have eternal life. The Father did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him by the Holy Spirit's power is not condemned. In the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.